They're called parables. There are roughly 40 of them spoken by Jesus to be found in the pages of the Bible. They were spoken during those three years that God allotted to him to do his earthly ministry. And when his earthly ministry was finished, it wasn't the end of his ministry, it was only the beginning. Because the Bible says he sits at the right hand of the throne of God. And the power of his ministry is more extensive than when he was on this earth. He had human limitations then. He couldn't be in Jerusalem and Galilee at the same time. He had human limitations. Now he can be anywhere. Omnipotent that he is. He sits at the right hand of the throne of God. The funeral we had yesterday and the funeral we're going to have tomorrow. We're going to read Romans 8, verses 31 to 39. And in the middle part of that section, it says that he intercedes daily for us. Our Lord, as He was on this earth, uh, He did three things. Uh, He did miracles. John 20, 30, and 31, every one of the 35 miracles recorded, and every one of the hundreds not recorded, they are recorded so that we might believe He's the Son of God, because who else could do such things as Nicodemus stated? He did miracles. He preached the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is God's reign and rule in this world. Intersected by Satan all the time. But it is God's reign on this earth. Here is what Satan suggests. Here is what God commands. And if one follows the path of Satan, there is chaos. And if one follows the path of God, there is peace. He did miracles, he preached the kingdom, and he taught parables. He didn't preach parables, he taught parables. And I will explain. When the end of his three-year ministry was done, he then did that which God had ordained, which God had planned from the beginning of time. Revelation 13, 8, 2 Timothy 1, 9 and 10. From the beginning of time, God had planned the cross. He didn't say, Jesus, you're going to go down to earth. If you will accept this ministry, you'll go down to earth. I'm going to send you down there to heal Bartimaeus. And I'm going to send you down there to turn water into wine. And oh, by the way, you're also going to feed 10,000 people with five loaves and two fish. That's why I'm sending you down. That isn't why I sent him down. Those were tangential elements of his ministry. But the reason God sent him down was the cross. All the power of God, all the love of God, all the wisdom of God wrapped up in those two pieces of wood upon which the Son of God died. He did miracles. He preached the kingdom. And he taught parables. You'll be taking a walk through the pages of this book this year. 
Oh, but doesn't gather dust. You'll be taking a walk to the pages of this book. Isaiah tells us why we read the book. Why we preach it, why we teach it, why we study it. Hebrews, the author of Hebrews tells us why we study this book, preach it, teach it, live it. We study the book because when you walk through the pages of this book, you're going to hear wondrous stories about God. Do we need to be reminded of who God is? It all depends. If you're watching the news and you get a knot in your stomach, you need to be reminded of who God is. If you visit the doctor on Tuesday and your stomach's already in knots, because it's a pretty important visit, you need to know the story of the power of God. You and I need to be reminded almost on a daily basis of who oversees everything. When you read the pages of this book, you're not only going to bump into the power and love of God. Let me open up the Red Sea. Let me create this world. Let me see save Daniel in the lion's den. You're not only going to see stories about God, you're going to see stories about humanity. All have sinned, fallen short of the glory. All males have sinned, all females have sinned, all Democrats have sinned, all Republicans have sinned, all rich have sinned, all poor have sinned. All have sinned. Stories are there. Bible whitewashes nothing. Here is a great King David. Let us tell his story. David, Bathsheba, and Uriah. Here is a great Abraham, the father of the Israel. Let us tell his story. His wife, Sarai, in a foreign land. Here is Moses, the great shepherd of 1.2 million. Let us tell his story. Killing that Egyptian. Here is the great Simon Peter. Let us call him Saint. But let us tell his story. Day before Jesus dies, cursing and swearing, 14-year-old girl. I don't know who the guy is. Why does the Bible point out these heroes' sins? So that when I sin or when you sin, we sit and say, well, David did and Abraham did, and they were forgiven by God. Will sin enter your life in 2021? We're 10 days in. Sorry, it already has. Luther, we daily sin much, already has. What's the blood of Christ for? To cleanse us from our sin, to wash us clean. And does he say, okay, you're washed clean now. I want you to sit there on the couch and behave yourself. Don't move. If you don't move, you're not going to get into trouble. I just washed you clean. Is that what he does? He washes us clean, and then he stands us up and he says, go out there. Go out there. Moses, get your behind to Egypt. I got 1.2 million sheep I want you to lead out. David, I've forgiven you. You washed clean. Get back in the throne and this time live for me. Simon Peter, you disciples, I know you abandoned me. I know you cursed and said you don't know who I am. Simon Peter, disciple, you've been washed clean. Now get out there. 
Get there to Jerusalem, to Samaria, to the utter ends of the earth. Have you sinned yet this year? Have you been washed clean? Have you said, God, forgive? For a thousandth time, forgive. And as God say, here's what you do. You get out of bed, you come and sit in the pew on a Sunday morning, and then get back home as quickly as you can. Don't turn on the TV. Just lock yourself in. Does he say that? Get out there. That's what he said. Parables. Taught, not preached. The word parable literally means, come alongside me. Come alongside me, I have something to say. When you're sitting at the table with mom or dad, grandma or grandpa, you know I always got to throw grandma and grandpa in there, right? When you're sitting at the table with mom or dad, grandma or grandpa, there are certain moods that come over the table. There's the funny times, people telling jokes. There are the mundane times at the dinner table where you say, hey, how was work today? How was school today? How'd you do on that spelling test? And then every once in a while, not every time, every once in a while, two or three times a year, the seven-year-old will say, I'm being bullied at school. The 16-year-old will say, I'm having trouble with my boyfriend. The 38-year-old will say, I've been at that job for six years. I think it's, think it's time to move on. And when those comments are made, mom or dad, grandma or grandpa will begin to speak. And they will share something that happened in their life 20 years earlier. 40 years earlier, it will remind them of something that happened in their life, and they will begin to speak about that thing that happens. Well, I was bullied 40 years ago. I still remember like it was yesterday. I was bullied, and here's what I did. Well, I had trouble with my boyfriend and girlfriend, and here's what I did. I had that same decision when I was 32. Do I stick with this job or do I move on to something else? When they are telling these stories, they are saying, come alongside me. I have something to share. They do it not just to reflect. They do it to bring forth some wisdom. They are either saying to you, if you're that child, teenager, that 30 or 40 year old, they are saying to you, Here's what I did, and it proved very helpful. Maybe you can follow the same path. I'm just throwing it out there. Or they are saying this. Here's how I handle it. Don't do what I did. Don't make the same mistake. We have parables that take place in our lives usually around the table. Jesus, 40 times, said, come alongside. And he would see a shepherd, and it would prompt something. And he would see 
A farmer sowing seed and it prompts something. Matthew 13, there are eight parables. Five of the parables in Matthew 13 are found nowhere else in the Bible. Mark chapter 4, three parables. They all speak about the kingdom of God. I already told you that the kingdom of God parables are about the Lord's rule and reign in this world. Bumping into Satan all the time, but here's how God wants one to live. I don't want to talk about kingdom parables. I want to talk about the last two parables that Jesus spoke. They are not specifically about the kingdom. They are living in the kingdom and how you and I should act. They're life parables. They're about you and me. They're not about God's kingdom. They're about you and me. Last two parables he ever spoke. Here's 36. Here's 37. Here's 38. Now we get to 39 and 40. He's run out of time. There are no more stories coming out of his mouth. He's going to die on that cross. The last two. The one is called the parable of the talents. Jesus, just earlier, John 17, had spoken these words. You live in the world, but you're not of the world. You live in the world, but you're not of the world. The world has three great principles upon which the world system is based. The world system is intersected all the time by the one that Jesus calls the prince of this world's darkness. It's intersected by Satan all the time. And the world system, influenced by Satan, is based on three things. It's based on self, it's based on greed, and it's based on pride. It's based on self. Life is all about you. God, I don't have time for you because life is all about me. Family members, if it comes down to a choice, I'm the one that I'm going to choose for. People at work, people I bump into, total strangers, you don't stand a chance because life is all about me. The great book by Rick Warren, Purpose Driven Life, studied in this church 16 years ago. His very first Chapter, life is not about you. World system says self is the most important thing. It's also based on greed. If life is all about me and my neighbor has something I don't have or my brother's sister has something I don't have, I'm going to go after it. I'm going to fixate on what I don't have. I'm not going to think about what I do have food and clothing and the other things Jesus talked about. I'm fixing my eyes on this thing. A boat? A summer home? More jewelry? Bigger car? Advancement at work? $100,000 salary? I don't know what you fixate on. Greed. If I don't have it, life is all about me. I'm going to go after it by hook or crook until I have it. 
I don't care what it does to my family. I don't care what it does to my health, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. I want that, and I'm going to get it. And I won't be happy until I have it. The world system based on self, based on greed, and based on pride. Look at me. I am a God unto myself. And the most important thing is that people know who I am. I don't care whether they know who God is. Let them stay hungry, thirsty, and naked. Most important thing is that they know who I am. That's the world system. God's system, Micah 6.8. Three things I ask of my children. That they act justly. That they love mercy, which has to be extended to someone else. And that they walk humbly with their God. Act justly. If that server has slaved over you at, on the rest, at the restaurant for an hour and a half, and you get up and leave, and you decide, I don't have to leave a tip, or maybe I'll leave a buck. Act justly. What does it mean to act justly? It means that you look at every human being as if they were your brother or your sister. There is no one that you are above. There is no one that you are below. You look at every human being, no matter whether color, race, political persuasion, no matter whether male or female, heavy or thin, you look at every human being on this earth and say, that could be my brother Mark. That could be my sister Rebecca. That could be my mom or my dad. You act justly. You treat them as you'd want to be treated. What does it mean to love mercy? You already know. If you act justly, it pertains to other people. If you love mercy, it pertains to other people. And if you walk humbly with your God... Your nose is never up in the air. It's looking straight ahead or it's looking down in humility. Self, greed, pride, versus act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Give me four minutes, I'll wrap this up. Parable of the talents. Master says to three servants, I'm going to go on a journey. I'm going to leave you here. You're going to take care of things. And then the Bible says he gave one servant five talents, one two talents, one servant one talent. And then these four words, according to their ability. According to their ability. I always thought, that according to their ability meant how much money they could make, whether they were Dave Ramsey A-plus students. And I figured the guy with five talents was uh, the brightest student that Dave Ramsey ever had. 
that he knew how to invest money and that he had quite a thing going. And I thought the one that had, was given two talents was just below him a little bit. And I always thought that the one servant who had one talent and was given one talent, that he must have just been ignorant about money and finances. It has nothing to do with that. How do we know? When the master comes back, he says to the man with one talent, what have you done with one talent? And the man says to him, I knew you were a hard man. You harvest where you've not sown, you gather where you've not scattered seed. It's the most embarrassing conversation in the Bible. I knew you were a hard man, a mean man. You harvest where you have not sown, you gather where you have not scattered seed. This man, who was given one talent, was the richest of them all. He is the most powerful of them all. Why? Because he lived for himself. Self, greed, and pride, that is what motivated him on a daily basis. And he was so arrogant that when the God comes, when the Master comes and speaks to him, he says, let me tell you something, God, I've been waiting a long time to tell you this. You take credit for everything. You take credit for food and clothing and shelter and fields and cattle and all my goods. You take credit for it and you have nothing to do with it. I have harvested. I have planted the seed. Whatever I have has come from me. My time is mine and I've spent it well on myself. My talents are mine. I use them for myself. My treasures are mine. No one's going to touch them. They're mine. And what does God say to him? Get out of my sight. You are evil because you're all tied in with the world system. It has sucked you in. And you are lazy. You don't want to spend time with anyone else because you're lazy. You don't want to be part of my kingdom because you're lazy. The only time you expend energy is when it's on you. Then you have the man with five talents and the man with two talents. Guess what? They had food and clothing and they were content. They had food and clothing, they were content. They didn't have much else. Why? Because whatever came to them, they acted justly. And they loved showing mercy. And whatever came to them didn't stay with them very long. It went out to someone else. And that is why the Master said, I'm going to give you five talents more. Because I know if I give you the talent of time, you'll use it for others. And if I give you the talent of talent, wherever I put you, I'm going to come forth in your conversation, in your life. And I'm going to give you money. 
because I know that it's not going to end up totally in your pocket. It's going to go out to others. That's what that parable is all about because the very next parable, parable of sheep and the goats, puts the nail in the coffin. The one parable, parable of the talents, leads in the parable of sheep and the goats. You fed the hungry. You didn't look at your paycheck and say, man, that's all mine. Strand, keep your hands off of it. God, keep your hands off of it. It's mine. No, 90% is yours. 10% is God's. For ministry. For feed my starving children. For the proclamation of the gospel. Your talents. You know why God has given you a talent? So that wherever He puts you, on the football team because you're athletic, on the chess club because you're smart, you're a truck driver, you're an accountant, you're a grave digger, you work on the assembly line. Whatever talent God has given you, He wants you in this place, this club, this organization, this job. Because when He puts you there, you're going to bump into someone that Strand and Shower would never bump into if we lived 200 years. But you're going to bump into them. Your talent has brought you into that job, that organization, that club. And He's put you there. Not for self, pride, and greed. He's put you there to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. Jesus put it this way. To whoever much has been given, much is expected. And if you are faithful with the small things, I'll trust you with larger things. And if you're not faithful with small things, I'll not give you larger things. Your time in 2021 is given you by God. Your talents, whatever occupation you have, God has placed you there. And your treasures, paycheck, God's. I close with this story. His funeral is tomorrow, Jean Sinerjewski. And as the family talked about him, he was a truck driver. I said, did he travel all over, or was it local? They say local. And then they said, it wasn't just a job to him. Because every one of his customers became very, very close, like family. And if any of his customers needed help, he would open up his time to them. And he would open up his pocketbook to them. And that's what Jesus was talking about. And that's what we're talking about. 2021, what system will move your life this year? Self, greed, pride? Or will it be whoever comes into my life today, 
I will act justly. I will love mercy. And I will walk with utmost humility. One system, chaos. The other system, peace. In our Savior's name, amen. Let me have a prayer with you. You dusted Simon Peter off. You cleansed him with your blood. And then you said, go out there, Simon. No more self, no more greed, no more pride. You dusted King David off. You cleansed him with your blood. And you sent King David back out there. You said to David, now act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with me. Use us, Lord. May it be that our light so shines before men that they may see an act of kindness and then give glory and thanks to God for Him intervening in their life at that precise moment. And may we be honored and humble if we're the vessel that has done that. Such things we ask in our Lord's name. Amen.